Good evening, and welcome once again to Brush Up Your Shakespeare, where we make Shakespeare fun and easy. You may remember that in each episode, we focus on one line from the scene that we are examining. The scene for tonight's episode is Hamlet Act 1, Scene 2. The line from that scene that we will be memorizing together is this, a little more than kin and less than kind. Say it with me, a little more than kin, K-I-N, and less than kind, K-I-N-D. And one more time, a little more than kin and less than kind. As I said, we're now in Act 1, Scene 2 of Hamlet, and this scene can be divided into three parts. The first part is the court scene, the second part is Hamlet's soliloquy, and the third part is Hamlet hears about the ghost. Let's start about Let's start with the court scene. We leave the castle battlements of scene one, where the ghost of Hamlet's father has just appeared to several guards and also to Hamlet's dear friend, Horatio. Scene two moves us inside the castle, where the new king, Claudius, is holding court. Claudius is an important character in this play, and he dominates the first part of this scene with a long speech. As you recall, Hamlet's father... King Hamlet has died only about two months before, and in the meantime, the brother of Hamlet's father, Claudius, has married Hamlet's mother and become the new king of Denmark. This all strikes Prince Hamlet as moving way too quickly for his taste, and he is not happy about the situation. Not happy at all. Everyone else seems to have already moved on from his father's death, but not so for young Hamlet. He wears black as a sign of his continuing mourning. I trust I am not revealing too much when I say that Claudius is the villain of the play. My first brush with Shakespeare was in 11th grade when I was cast as Claudius, and I played him as a two-dimensional cardboard villain, complete with arched, penciled-in eyebrows, dark purple eyeshadow, and fake black mustache and goatee. This is real. That was fake. This is gray. That was black. And it was held to my face with spirit gum. I love the smell of spirit gum in the morning. In 11th grade, I didn't know Shakespeare from Shinola. But Shakespeare's Claudius, not my Claudius, Shakespeare's Claudius is not two-dimensional or cardboard. His speech that commences scene two is a masterpiece of balance and poise, showing him to be thoughtful and stately. In short, he seems like a pretty good king, not a villain at all. As king, Claudius has a wise man who counsels him, and his name is Polonius. Polonius is the king's chamberlain. Keep your eye on Polonius. He's an important character in this play as well. Now, Polonius has two adult children, both of whom are also important characters. The daughter of Polonius is Ophelia. The son of Polonius is Laertes. Ophelia does not appear in this scene, Act 1, Scene 2, but Polonius and Laertes do, though their time on stage in Scene 2 is limited. Laertes has come to Denmark, or back to Denmark, from France, for the coronation of Claudius, but now seeks to return to France, and King Claudius gives him permission to do so. But now the king, Claudius, turns to Hamlet, who is present, but so far has said nothing. 
Here's what Claudius says to Hamlet. And now, my cousin Hamlet and my son. Now, note that cousin isn't as specific as the way we use the word cousin today. In Shakespeare's time, cousin just means a relative of some sort or other. He's not saying that Hamlet is his cousin the way we say it, just that he's related to him. And boy, is he related to him. So once again, Claudius says, and now my cousin Hamlet and my son. And look how King Claudius calls Prince Hamlet son. Maybe being a little presumptuous here. I mean, Hamlet's father died just two months ago. And in the meantime, you have married his mother and want him to call you dad. It is King Claudius calling Hamlet's son that elicits the first line of Hamlet in the play when he says, a little more than kin and less than kind. Yes, that's our line that we're memorizing. Let's repeat that once more, shall we? A little more than kin and less than kind. And the third time, a little more than kin and less than kind. Very good. What does this mean? First, Hamlet is saying he is more than kin to the new king. Hamlet is not only Claudius's nephew, he is now Claudius's son. He is more than kin. But Hamlet does not see himself as similar to Claudius in any way. Claudius has moved in on his dead brother's wife and married her in less than two months. And the woman he married so quickly is Hamlet's mother, the queen. So Hamlet says he is less than kind, meaning he is not the same kind of person as Claudius. Hamlet is a little more than kin and less than kind. This is one example of how Shakespeare can pack so much meaning into so simple a sentence. Hamlet's mother, the queen, chides Hamlet for mourning his dead father for so long and asks him to knock it off. Good Hamlet, she says, cast thy knighted color off. This is one of the references in the play to the fact Hamlet is dressed in black. Knighted color. Knighted does not have a K at the beginning. It means the color of night or black. Cast thy knighted color, thy black color, off. Get rid of those mourning clothes. Hamlet's mother wants him to take off his mourning clothes and get on with living like she has. But Hamlet is not there yet. And the fact that Claudius and his mother have moved on so quickly only serves to make him angrier and more confused. Hamlet's mother asks him, why seems it so particular with thee? Keying on the word seems, Hamlet replies, seems, madam, nay, it is. I know not seems. So he's saying, my mourning is not just something that I seem to be doing. I'm really mourning. Thank you very much. Next, Claudius piles on and also upbraids Hamlet for mourning his dead father so long. We pray you, Claudius says, throw to earth this unprevailing woe. It's unprevailing because it doesn't prevail. It doesn't bring the dead king back to life. So knock it off. Throw to earth this unprevailing woe and think of us. That's the royal we, by the way. When he says us, he means me because he's the king. So throw to earth this unprevailing woe and think of us as of a father. There, you see, he did it again. We can only imagine how this is making Hamlet feel. 
You move in on my mother less than two months after my dad dies, and you want me to stop mourning his death and call you my father. Mm. Claudius and the queen ask Hamlet to stay in Denmark because he is next in line to the throne, to which Hamlet agrees. Laertes, remember Polonius' son Laertes? Laertes wasn't the only one who was out of the country when King Hamlet died. So was Prince Hamlet. But whereas Laertes was in France, Prince Hamlet was in Germany, going to college. Hamlet wants to return to college in Germany, but relents when asked and agrees to remain in Denmark. You know, if Hamlet had gone back to Germany, there would be no play. So at this point, King Claudius and the Queen change the entire course of events to their detriment, I might add, by asking Hamlet to remain in Denmark. The king and queen are very happy that Hamlet will stay and they leave Hamlet alone on the stage. Part two of this scene is Hamlet's soliloquy. Now, now Hamlet has his first soliloquy in the play. Scholars count a total of seven soliloquies for Hamlet in this play, and this is the first. A soliloquy is not just a long form of address. It is a character speaking his or her innermost thoughts and feelings so the audience can hear. The long passages spoken by Claudius in this scene are not soliloquies. They are speeches. The reason they are speeches is because Claudius is speaking to other characters on stage. But Hamlet is not speaking to anyone except for the audience and himself. He is alone on the stage. One fundamental rule to understanding Shakespeare is this. You can always trust what a character says in a soliloquy. A soliloquy is an accurate reflection of the character's inner self. Characters may lie when speaking to each other, but not when speaking to themselves or to the audience. And now in this first soliloquy of Hamlet, he unburdens his soul with the anguish he is feeling, wishing he could cease to exist by melting into a dew, or take his own life, which he would, except it is against the commandments of God. Here's what he says. Oh, that this too, too solid flesh would melt, thaw, and resolve itself into a dew, or that the everlasting had not fixed his canon, the scriptures, against self-slaughter, i.e. suicide. Hamlet goes on to compare his dead father with the new king, Claudius. Of course, Hamlet sees his father as superior to Claudius in every way. Hamlet's thoughts shift from his father to his mother, wondering at how she could have married this inferior specimen of Claudius, and so quickly too, when it seemed she was so in love with Hamlet's father. This part is critical to understanding the play. Hamlet is not just mad at Claudius. Hamlet is also mad at his mother. If anything, Hamlet is madder at his mother and confused, so confused. How could his mother, who obviously loved his father so much, be so quick to get married again? Were all of her affections toward her husband, the king, and Hamlet's father? real? Or was she merely pretending? Or is she simply incapable of feeling love as deeply as Hamlet does? At a minimum, 
Hamlet is shaken by how weak his mother's love for his father really was. And is this something that characterizes not only his mother, but all women as well? This is why Hamlet says in the middle of this soliloquy, frailty, thy name is woman. That's where that line comes from, and that's why he says that line. Hamlet concludes his soliloquy with the heartbreaking line, it is not, nor it cannot come to good, but break my heart, for I must hold my tongue. I can't say anything about this to anybody. I got to keep this to myself. Everybody else has moved on. I'm the only one who really loved my dad, the king. And I'm the only one who's really doing him honor by continuing the mourning period. That's Hamlet's point of view. Part three of the scene now, Hamlet hears about the ghost. Now Horatio, Hamlet's friend, enters the scene, accompanied by a few of the guards from the prior scene. Hamlet is happy to see Horatio and asks what brings him to Denmark. Horatio says it was to see his father's funeral. Hamlet says he thinks it was to see his mother's wedding. Horatio admits that the wedding followed soon after the funeral. Hamlet jokingly says, with a bite, that it was a cost-saving measure. He says, thrift, thrift, Horatio. The funeral baked meats did coldly furnish forth the marriage tables. In other words, the wedding was so soon after the funeral they used the leftovers from the funeral to feed the guests at the wedding. Once again, it's a great line. Thrift, thrift, Horatio, the funeral baked meats did coldly furnish forth the marriage tables. Brilliant. Horatio is having trouble coming to the point. How do you tell a friend that you just saw the ghost of their recently deceased father? Finally, Horatio plunges in. My Lord, I think I saw him yesternight. Yesternight, what a great expression. That's how they used to say last night, yesternight. Hamlet says, saw, who? Horatio says, my lord, the king, your father. Hamlet says, the king, my father. And of course, they have to distinguish because there is a king on the throne. And it's not King Hamlet. King Hamlet's dead. The new king is King Claudius. And Hamlet says, the king, my father. Horatio tells Hamlet all about how the ghost of Hamlet's father has been walking the battlements of the castle for three nights running. They compare notes on how the ghost looked exactly like the dead king, that he was pale and sorrowful and dressed in full armor. But if the ghosts were dressed in full armor, Hamlet says, they could not have seen his face due to the helmet. Horatio says, oh yes, my lord, he wore his beaver up. He wore his beaver up. I have to admit, we found that line endlessly amusing in high school. He wore his beaver up. What on earth does that mean? What's a beaver? Well, a beaver, let's talk about it. An armored helmet has a face visor that can be lifted up or down. Up reveals the face to talk or eat or drink. Down is for battle to protect the face. The face visor on a helmet is called the beaver. So when Hamlet asks if Horatio could see the ghost's face, Horatio says yes, because he wore his beaver up. Hamlet says he will join Horatio and the guard on the battlements of the castle that night. 
and will arrive between 11 and 12 to make sure he is in time should the ghost walk again. He says, I will watch tonight. Perchance, twill walk again. And if this ghost will speak to no one else, perhaps it will speak to Hamlet. Hamlet tells them to keep this news about the ghost to themselves, and they depart once more, leaving Hamlet by himself. Hamlet speaks to the audience at the end of the scene, but this is too short to be considered a soliloquy. A brief comment to the audience is called an aside. Hamlet sees something ominous, not only in the fact his father's ghost is walking the earth, but that he is dressed in armor, as if ready for war. Hamlet says in this aside to the audience, my father's spirit in arms, all is not well. I doubt some foul play. Would the night were come. Till then, sit still, my soul. Foul deeds will rise, though all the earth o'erwhelm them to men's eyes. In conclusion then, from Hamlet's point of view, something strange and inexplicable is happening. Not only has his mother married his uncle within two months of his father dying, his father died of natural causes. Or at least that's what Hamlet was told. That's what everyone was told. His father wasn't sick and didn't have an accident and didn't die in battle. He was simply found dead one day in his garden after taking a walk there alone. It was unusual that he died that way, but these things do happen. It was simply an unfortunate event. But if so, why is the ghost of Hamlet's father seen walking the earth? Ghosts don't appear unless they are disturbed in some way, unless they did not die a natural death, unless they have some work to perform or some message to give. This is why Hamlet begins to suspect foul play. And Hamlet concludes with the idea that foul deeds cannot be hidden, that no matter how hard foul deeds are, are sought to be covered up, they will eventually make themselves known by hook or by crook. Remember, he says, foul deeds will arise. Excuse me, foul deeds will rise, though all the earth overwhelm them to men's eyes. So that is all for this episode of Brush Up Your Shakespeare. Remember the line for today? Say it with me. A little more than kin and less than kind. Again, a little more than kin and less than kind. And once more, a little more than kin and less than kind. Thanks for watching. Please hit like. Please hit subscribe. Please share with family and friends. Please leave a comment below and let me know what you think and whether you have any questions or suggestions. And please join me again next time for Brush Up Your Shakespeare.